1: The G.A. Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power, home of the G.A. Hour Football ACA.
0: I'm not finished yet, it took me a long time to get here.
2: Both players have have spoken with each other and uh, and they regret what happened, they've had a frank discussion with each other and both of them are keen to now... Focus
1: on getting back to the county journeys.
0: But these fellas will get such a shit shock next Saturday evening that we'd put him back in their f for ten years.
3: So this is our last preview show of the year, lads. Conan and Connor are here as usual on a Thursday. We've got one final left. We've got the uh, well, we've got more than one final left, or some junior matches. The two matches we're focusing on today. Uh, will be the Leinster final we have uh, Air rogue manager Joe Murphy coming into studio um, to us so looking forward to that and we have Mullen John Walsh who are in the final this weekend taking on Mattock Rangers both teams are up against it they're both 1-5 um, with Paddy Power so we'll, uh, we'll talk to the two of them during the game uh, but I wanted to start with this one did anyone watch the Sunday game show last night lads?
1: I was actually watching Man United Spurs, so yeah, yeah. He's washing my hair. <laughs> RT R- 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 player now later in the week, Do I you, think.
3: See, well, the way I was looking at it, the advertisements actually turned me off it rather than made me want to watch it. And I'll tell you why, because it, it's an RT. Now, I haven't watched it either. It's an RT production championing their own show. Now, my thoughts on this are that the Sunday game have had exclusive rights to our national games, which are massively popular in this country, hugely passionate support. I think the Sunday game is popular because of the popularity of Gaelic games and their exclusivity. You can't see highlights anywhere else. So the way I would have sold that show would be 40 years of Gaelic games and use their show as, you know, to chrono- go through the years in chronological order or whatever, with a few of their highlights thrown in. But the Sunday game isn't a big show in town here, lads. The bloody Gaelic games are. And I sometimes I think RT can get a little bit kind of sidetracked by how great they are. Just because that show, if that show had competition from TG Cahir, from TV3, from any other uh, broadcaster... Further exclusivity the Sunday game wouldn't be flying it like it is yeah. like you know you have to put this kind of stuff in context and championing a show that shows exclusive uh, highlights of our ga- national games without calling it the national games and the Sunday mm-hmm. game just being another part of that do yeah. you get my point? It turned yeah. me yeah.
1: off. It. Funnily enough, uh, Dee Forbes uh, of RT was in here in an interview with Dee on there last week, and she said that uh, RT probably don't do a good enough job of championing themselves. When she was asked about kind of RT's current problems, so that kind of right. fly. Maybe maybe she maybe she commissioned the making of that do- documentary afterwards. But yeah. uh, they no,
3: championed yeah. that tie show as well without talking about that. I thought that was terrible this year. No ties. It's all about hard look stories with children, and it's a bit like the X Factor, where you know every child has to have some sort of a you know a hard story and it's all cute and oh and it let's cry seem like a tie show to me like <laughs> yeah. what's going on yeah. what happened to sitting down I had Manix watching it, it had zero interest in it because there was no actual toys being explained or played with yeah. I hadn't thought
1: about it like that it was actually the biggest few, the biggest view figures for well, one of the toy loads shows of that mushy yeah.
3: shit you look at who wins the X Factor the person with the life story and the hard look and all this and the music comes on And I'm surprised they didn't put a soundtrack over these children <laughs> I <think I've>
0: won. <laughs> that, that's coming on in the future I think I've come into the wrong show <laughs> um, the Sunday game yeah. Um, but it's actually it's like it's like uh, match of the day. Nobody watches match of the day to hear what Danny Murphy or Phil Neville has to say. Yeah, you watch it because they have the highlights. I and agree. it's Traditional, like you know, it's an institution, it's free because, to air, because that's where mm. you got it all, yeah. like throughout the years. So that's that's the biggest draw of the Sunday game. Yeah, yeah. It's now sometimes. I'm not
3: saying no. the Sunday game didn't have some iconic yeah. moments
0: and brilliant moments, and it obviously did. If you're on air for forty
3: years, you're bound to have some highlights. But that's not the show in town. What they're talking about is the show yeah. in town, and that's how it should have been sold. And if it was sold as forty years of Gaelic games. I'm watching that. I'm not going to watch them blow their own trumpet and, you know, say how great their pundit was and just stop. Anyways, (laughs) Fixtures Task Force released a report um, yesterday and they had 32 recommendations uh, all look fairly common sense ones. We talked a good bit about this. So we, we know now at this stage what the two main proposals for restructures are. We know that there's a proposal three, which is the status quo, which is the huge worry. We know that proposal one involves conferences um, for the provincial championships and it involves mo- four counties moving province three from Leinster and one from Ulster for me that's an ongoing because that won't receive rep- support
0: it just won't I not like that have to, do, you,
3: do you like it but do you think it'll re- receive
0: uh, support I, no sorry I, w- I would just go away from like you know okay. only three or four counties moving and just make it a bit more of a 32 teams let's put them into four oh, okay. you know like, yeah, yeah. yeah but then yeah. it's not the provinces because it's you called the Ulster Championship anyway or, you know Sweden. right uh, uh, yeah. you couldn't really do that anyways yeah. just
3: stop thinking off things off the top of your head here <laughs> and sidetracking this we're talking about these ones the other one is proposal which is my proposal and I was bragging on Twitter about this yesterday Um, this is flipping the season around this is playing the the Provincials in the spring in February and March and then moving the, the National League to the summer and that's your championship. So they would have done it a little bit differently to me. They're saying that four teams from Division 1, two teams from Division 2, one from 3 and one from 4 going to All Ireland
0: quarterfinals. So that just shuts the 3 and 4 up from saying we can't play no, for but, Sam Maguire. But that's what I don't like about this. So I actually don't mind like, the league structure and stuff like that. But I, I can't get on board with a, a format where... It's better for you to come 4th in Division 2 than it is to come 5th in Division 1. It just doesn't make any sense, like you know. It should be weighted a lot more towards Division One. Yeah, well, it's four and two, no. Well, it's like if you if you come fourth in Division Two, then you can go into a qualifier and stuff. But if you come fifth in Division One, you're out.
3: Yeah, yeah, they had mm-hmm. three and four and two playoff qualifier against the two first yeah. ones in Division Three. That would have, th- yeah. Mine was done differently than that, and I'd still think that the fourteen teams left in three and four will still kind of feel like, oh, well, this is the real Grade B one. I just don't understand why they didn't let one and two be your Tier 1 and 3 and 4 be your Tier 2 It just, just makes more sense, yeah. it just makes cleaner but it's because these 3 and 4 division teams are whinging about not playing for Sam. You'll play for Sam when you get into Division 2, it's very simple yeah. and until you do that you're not good enough to play for Sam. But anyways that's mm. what they did. It's a very interesting, they're going with two, so the, these are the two proposals and within those two proposals they have two different options, whether to play multiple windows are a club break in April and May. So we know what the club break in April and May is. I think it's five weeks they want now um, um, in April and May. Have a break, then play exclusive inter-county and then go back to club. Alternatively, it'll be back to the way it was 10 years ago. Back Brian Cody and Kilkenny was doing it up to two or three years ago until the April for clubs came in. So this is multiple windows. So there will be three or four set club Weekends within the summer months and intercounty have to have a break. There's a ten day rule. County boards enforce it. And to be honest with you, I was kind of of the opinion that I didn't want that. I said it's gone too much into sports science at intercounty level. You might have to go back to a club that's a bit you know unprofessional, and it's not fair to mix the two. And it's probably dif- difficult on players. They all you all hear always hear them talking about focus. I'm mm. only focused on that now. You can't ask about anything else outside of what they're focused <laughs> on, right? So you know. It would be difficult for them to go here, then go back to this professional setup, then back. But it is a good way of taking pulling the reins back on intercounty regimes and pulling it back, you know, giving players more of a life back with their clubs and the control county managers have over them, they, that would be thrown thrown away. It would be only three or four weekends over between whatever, April and the end of August. I'm starting to think that's not the worst idea in the world
1: either. Is it the job of this oversight unit to enforce that? Yeah. I, I, I just When I saw it, I just thought it was too open for exploitation. Well, that's the thing. Managers. Well, I'm
3: glad you brought that up because another part of the recommendations is a new oversight unit that would see four full-time fixtures analysts Um, appointed, one in each province, and they would assist counties in planning club fixture programmes. This new oversight unit would have the responsibility for helping to ensure clubs had more access to their county players, that all available dates to play club games with county players were utilised and would have the power to impose sanctions on counties for breaches of rule. That's brilliant. That's Mm -hmm. common sense. That's a, a county manager telling a poor county board chairman who can't put it up to him well we're pulling those players and he's well now he can say oh I would pull the players oh look oh you're the greatest oh I'm really sorry but I can't because these lads are going to find (laughs) us it's perfect no it gives county board officials a reason to say, to stand up to county managers and because let's be honest, a county manager, often an ex-legend, an ex-inter-county player, big personalities, you have to be to an inter-county manager. A county board official is no match for them really when it comes, they don't know what they're talking about mm. well enough. Mm. They could be bamboozled with reasons. Now they can just say, well, 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 look, yeah, I agree with everything you're saying, but I have to run past this other man that, <coughs> that is not afraid. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. That's brilliant. So whatever they do now. This kind of nonsense can't go on. So I I don't know, lads, what do you think? The April, a lot of players don't like the April and then no games for four months. Players go to America, there's nothing during the summer. The multiple windows will give club players guaranteed dates throughout the summer for games. So they can have no complaints either. I'm. Mm. Star- I don't know if I'm leaning towards multiple windows from, again.
1: From purely a club, a club player's point of view, I like it. Just in terms of the security there, that you know when fixtures are going to be. But just going back to something you said there, if you're, it, it's just the mindset of being a county player in that setup that you're that you're county, you know, for a couple of weeks and then you're back to club. And then I, I'd say that's very difficult to alter. Oh, I'd imagine that it's difficult. So like th- that, that's just it from from a club player from a club player's point of view. Like it, it's about time we got a guarantee of fixtures or like a, and a calendar of fixtures and dates that you could work around. But yeah, I, I I don't I don't know about it from a from a from a county point of view. But but if if the ambition is to solve the the plight of the fixtures for the club there, then absolutely I'd be in favour.
3: Yeah. So they're going on the road with these proposals now. There's no, there's we don't have time to go through them all. So the talk is not going to be done in the next congress to be a special congress next May or something to have a look at these. But they're going to go around to the counties and give the clubs a say on them. And it's, it seems to be done a above board at the moment until they come down with the final decision that the status quo is uh, is decided but like I mean it's a terrible terrible waste of time if the status quo like really I really like to flip the season lads it's a great restructure and it's nothing to do with the fact that it's mine but it is mine from Mm. 2015 on off the ball um, I'm definitely putting that in there and I feel bad bragging lads but no one gives me credit for these things This, this, this should <laughs> do be you really feel bad bragging this, this should be called Colin Parkinson's proposal first mooted <laughs> first mooted by Colin Parkinson off the ball in 2015 the advance mark should be called Wooly's Mark First mooted by Colin Park as an on-air sport and the date, you a should be ashamed of it. <laughs> well, I actually she bragged credit for it. No, him. I bragged on Twitter about this yesterday. I threw in the advance mark. That Advance mark is not popular. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Somebody calls <laughs> it the oh worst rule of all time. Oh. <laughs> and there
3: are, there wasn't one positive thing, yeah. thing said about the Advance mark. Now my excuse out of that is look, lads, they've changed it. Yeah. <laughs> they've changed my that's, one.
0: That's David Hasson's Advance mark. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so there's other ones then. Um, there's some cl- changes to the club uh, structures in that they recommend that Galway Senior Hurling Championship move to the Leinster Munster Championship. That makes perfect sense. Galway and Leinster. Um, and then this is a good one. A maximum of 16 teams should compete in senior and intermediate club championships around the country. A two year lead in period for counties to adjust their competition structure um, will be in place. Uh, there's actually eight teams out of the 66 Senior Hurling and Football Club Championships across the 32 counties, eight championships consist of more than 16 teams. Again, keeping it all uniform, why do we all have to wait for this county that has 24 teams, for example, Mm. you know, to run it off Mm. in a dual county? 16 teams... increase club windows, it's definitely, it's a huge, if they were to pick this option too, like I'm just going to give this for an example, and they were going to say go multiple windows, maybe multiple windows isn't possible with that because the league will be during the summer. I think only the, the April, May, spring um, option there is. They want the All-Ireland Finals played on consecutive weekends, which is a change instead of a two-week break. That buys you a week and then finish them in the middle of August. They're freeing up a lot of weekends, lads, compared to two years ago, for example. I think John Horan was saying two years ago, between April and and the and October, there was five club weekends. And there there can be up between twelve and fifteen now. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's a massive improvement, lads, and it's a massive improvement to the intercounty um championship and it's given a better balance to clubs and look it's
0: not going to be perfect but Jesus it's a great yeah. it's a great improvement the, the only thing I, I just don't want um, less inter-county <clears> games I want less time especially the provinces took bloody seven weeks to play yeah. off and it's not needed but like, I, I, the reason I like the league as it is is because you get a lot of games from February until April uh, yeah but
3: both provincials are going to be played on round-robin basis yeah. so, so you won't have less games so as yeah. long
0: as you can maintain that because yeah. it still is the, the blockbuster yeah. effect, you
3: know? in the league championship you have seven championship games guaranteed mm. How 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 good is that? And then the the league or the provincials will be played in February and March as a round robin, so you're guaranteed three in that. You're not guaranteed more than ten in the current one. You're guaranteed the seven league games and you're only guaranteed two championship games, you know. So yeah. you're
1: guaranteed more. The only thing I don't like about the flipping the league and, and the championship is that to take that many games to get to a quarter final, do you know what I mean? When you're playing seven games, to get to the quarterfinals, you are <laughs>
3: playing Donegal, you're playing Kerry,
1: you're playing Dublin,
3: you're know, playing Monaghan. I know, what I are you complaining I know, about? I, I, I like it. Like
1: I like a cutthroat element we're in the top, championship. you know a, yeah, a do or die kind of a do-or-die kind of situation? That, I, I know would, that comes in the quarterfinals eventually. Yeah. I'm very, I'm nitpicking here. Don't really. stand I like <laughs> I know.
3: You're basically playing super eights for seven games. That's yeah. it. Like yeah. you're playing the big blockbuster games. Like you, I would have thought a county like Mayo would be Jesus no, no, this is sensation. This is
1: on the face, but I'm sure when we get into it, I love it. But when we get
0: into it, it'll be another three dead rubber.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> the, we see, we'll, there won't really because four will go out of Division 1 and then there'll be two up for relegation. You're looking at six of eight. have some. We'll, yeah, we should have yeah, some no. There shouldn't be dead rubbers yeah. in Division 1. Yeah. Maybe Division 2. Well, there's four in Division 2 and two down as well. So there shouldn't be d- d- dead rubbers. You'd worry about dead rubbers in Division 4, for example, there would be if there's only one going yeah, out and there's no yeah. relegation out of that. Um, but look, you can't keep everyone happy. They didn't want to get rid of the closed season which or the pre-season competitions, which kind of bothered me a little bit. And the reasoning for it, I didn't like. Um, I think, again, under my proposal, there would be no pre-season competitions because there isn't room for them. But under the other proposal and the status quo, they recommend to keep them. And I didn't like this. He said, if the competitions are removed from the calendar, there's every likelihood they will be replaced by a series of unregulated challenge games, which will ultimately have the same impact, but without the associated promotional benefits that can accrue. Yeah, they will be replaced by challenge games, but there's nothing wrong with that because challenge games are behind closed doors. If a, manage, if a county gets hammered in a challenge game, a manager's neck is not on the block. I'm not saying their neck is on the block mm. with pre-season, but it starts ramping up the pressure already. Yeah. And some managers want to win the preseason season competition because it's a competition and it's like, well, it's one of three, so I want to win it. So they're going back training to be ready for this competition if it's challenge games they're actually getting fit during the challenge games the result of the challenge game is irrelevant to everybody involved and they can experiment way more now every county is not like Dublin that will experiment in the pre-season like there's counties like Westmead who are bloody delighted they won it last year they trained for that competition I think these competitions just send teams back training earlier the year before and I think I don't know I don't understand that reasoning
0: of trying to keep them the challenge games happen anyway so you have a situation Where you have the preseason games And the challenge matches Do you know when most teams Don't play their The big teams certainly Don't play their full squads In the McKenna Cup Or Oberon Cup yeah, you're playing the challenge matches to get ready for the league so they're already happening so we just get rid of this big block yeah. of like a competition January
3: is pre-season training and if you want to include a few challenge games in that in your pre-season training do it mm-hmm. that's no problem because um, colleges and schools so the Sigerson's going to finish before the 5th Sunday of the year and the Fitzgibbon before the 7th Sunday of the year and then they're talking about earlier finishes for the post-primary schools which we talked about you know um last week about that's gone to under 19 now so there is a clash there underage competitions they're talking about under 20 football and hurling championships being run as national competitions with no provincials um and you know look there's a lot of good stuff in there um I'm not I'm not going to go through it all there's definitely uh the report is on the GEA website there for to download if you want to read it out I tend to tend to find if we do too much on this kind of stuff on podcasts, people I'm not sure if people are that interested in it. They'd rather talk about the actual they'd rather talk about the matches. Maybe they'd rather talk about more more controversies in Mayo, uh, because no, really Mayo talk about is the gift that keeps giving. <laughs> Last year we had the whole Carnacon mess with uh, Peter Lahey, Peter Leahy and all those stuff. And then this year we have the county board mess that we'll get to in a minute. And now we have this big controversy about Bell Mullet player uh, Rhino Donahue. Who unbelievably didn't uh, show up at an under 21 North County final, which is yeah. a county semi final, then, right? Yes, It's yes, a county yeah. semi final, so the North played us out, even I can figure that one out. Hmm. And uh, so he didn't show up for this county final. Instead, he went to an injury assessment or a pre season assessment with the Mayo senior football team. Outrageous. Twitter didn't like this. I read it, I didn't like it. Even though I didn't like it, even though I was like, that's not James Horan's form. James Horn is not that kind of manager, and I was wondering what more is there to this? I says, Connor, get your connections in Mayo and find out the story behind this.
1: And I did. <laughs> no, I got on to Ger Flanagan from uh, the Mayo News who had a follow-up. So initially the story appeared, there was a screenshot basically of the story in the Western people doing the rounds on Twitter. That's what everybody was talking about. The CPA even actually retweeted it, I'm pretty sure. Um, but then there was a follow-up story in the Mayo News uh, that would have been Tuesday, I'd say, uh, saying that O'Donoghue was injured. The management team were made aware of it. They had no problem with him not attending the game or with him attending the medical assessment from the Mayo team, um, which which I thought would have been the case because I could never envisage a situation where James Horn would stop somebody from playing in a game for his club no. just so they could attend some pre-season medical assessment yeah. so Turns out that unlike everything else that's going on with me at the moment, that it was probably uh, much ado do about nothing. This
3: was a storm in a teacup. Let's get to the other controversy as well, then, because Mister O'Leary, uh, your benefactor in America, wants his one hundred fifty grand back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so this yeah. is from, like, This is getting very messy now, and I don't know, like O'Leary. I, if I was O'Leary, I'd just write off that one fifty. Like this has gone very messy. How is he going to get that back? How can they afford to give it to him? He's he's obviously arguing that the one fifty was suppo- one hundred fifty thousand was supposed to be spent on the team he has not got sufficient proof that uh, it was spent on the team and now he wants it back and he actually was okay with the 150 grand until like the county board like there's such dumbasses in mayo like christ almighty so last month the, the foundation pledged one million funding towards mayo gea over the next five years provided a number of conditions were met Uh, These included proper explanation of how the 150,000 was used, a commitment that sponsorship deals be put through a competitive bid process with independent oversight, and the production of status reports for the Academy and Centre of Excellence. The Foundation sought a response by Monday evening, and none was received. And now he's gone. He's so pissed off. Now he's looking for the hundred and fifty thousand back. What a bloody mess! Mm. What a bloody mess! This is the Mayo County Board saying. Well, he's not going to tell us what to do. Who does he yeah. think he but is? He's, that's not, he's not telling them what to do. Well, do you he's know? looking for best practice. That's all he's doing. Yeah. That's what I mean. I that's mean, the way they would look at it, though. Is the point? Uh, I'm yeah, looking.
1: we had a conversation before about Galway and uh, the Supermax statement. That time, now they they eventually clarified it a bit more. But there was an element of them. You know, Supermax not being happy with how the money was spent which is not their it's, yeah. it's not their it's not their business to you know they, they sponsored the money and then it's up to the Galway County Board to use it efficiently all, all Tim O'Leary here is asking for reasonably asking for how the 150 grand was accounted for which is a fair yeah. question to so ask So it's
3: very obvious they didn't spend that the way they should have now they yeah. can't and yeah. that's yeah. what they're dragging their heels over As um, you would just say Oh yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah Well with that 150 should have been given to James Horan not the bloody County Board Tim O'Leary just didn't have the maybe maybe he was naive <laughs> I mean let's be honest their county board was strapped for cash that 158 gold were <laughs> you thinking <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. you know give it to James Horan he'll yeah. spend it on the
1: team yeah. he's the
3: one that will put that money to use
1: and all, all the other stuff he's asked for is commitment to a competitive bid process for sponsorship with independent oversight completely yeah. fair status reports on the uh, Mayo Academy as well which is all that's that's not too much to ask this is not Tim O'Leary dictating to the Mayo County Board yeah. telling them what to do I, the only thing I could say in defence of the county board is that they're not allowed to say anything at the moment because Tom Ryan has told them not to comment publicly in uh, to try and facilitate a quicker resolution with, with all parties. They were meant to have a meeting I think earlier on this week but uh, I don't think it was meant to take place in Co-Park and Tim O'Leary's representatives couldn't make it. So I don't know this just rumbles on and on. Rumbles and on, on and on. And, on. And, and
3: some more bad news for the Mayo County Board is Tim O'Leary was at the Great Debate last week I met him and he was wi- he was there with Joe Broly. <laughs> 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 we know Joe Broly's kind of fondness for anti-Mayo articles. Well, that's true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> so they found a mutual uh, kind of uh, friendship there the two of them so yeah we'll see how that goes some rules to the Camogie uh, uh, some changes to the Camogie rules um, I should say and these are all common sense ones they're all taken from the men's game and like let's be honest why were they any different in Mm -hmm. the first place the contact one doesn't go far enough for me so there's 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 five or there's six new ones so there's contact persistent fouling quick puck out free from the hand dropping the hurley hand pass and a hand pass goal and penalty contact is a player may now use minimal contact on an opponent's body side on once they're making a reasonable effort to gain possession now what's that all about it's either contact or it's not or is it's minimal, minimal contact, is minimal contact? You, so you can't bury someone with a shoulder or you can bury someone for a shoulder like I don't I don't get it if you're going to do it or you're not they're not shrinking violets like I mean they're well able to be physical yeah. and why, why, why put of wishy-washy contact
0: one in there because they're not really sure what they're allowed to do. It's like this is the thing that female athletes hate most. It's like just because they're not not able for it. Like, you know, that's what it reads like. You know, on the face of it, it's, it's a bit sexist. Like, it's like, yeah, they can do a bit of contact, but not not what the men do. You know what I mean? And yeah. it's terrible. Like, every Kamugi player you've talked to over the last couple of years have just been crying out to have hurling rules. You know, because they grew up playing hurling and then suddenly they're put into a different sport. Yeah. <laughs> and they're allowed to have contact. Now they're allowed minimal contact. Yeah. There's another way, persistent
3: fouling, uh, given a tick and then a yellow card, same as the men quick puck out the referee will blow the whistle once only a signal for a wide wide or a score and from that moment the slater is back in play right that's the same as the men's as well from what I can see a free from the hand that's an interesting one a player will now have the option to take a free from their hand if they're fouled inside their own 45 metre line Um, and that's an indirect free so it's not like you have I wouldn't think any of the women could score from that range anyways don't call me sexist for saying that (laughs) Um, they would probably be out, out of their range but uh, that's an interesting one speed up the game it wouldn't be completely against it you know like even even with the men's game an indirect one where because sometimes it can be a little bit boring say Patrick Horgan comes all the way back and he's a, that's within his range but it slows the game down yeah, 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 yeah. If yeah the person could do it that was fouled it's only the person that was fouled can do it so you're fouled quickly a bit like do you know what it's like it's like when we in Gaelic football we changed it from a free from the ground to out of the hands it sped up sped up the game an awful lot and it yeah. was really good so I think that's a really good one um dropping the hurley um, I don't I didn't really know much about that. None of us are hurling people. The only thing I know about dropping the hurley is that if you get into a fight, you're supposed to drop your hurley and go, like, put your jukes up and get into the fight. Whereas if you drop your hurley, the other lad doesn't, then you're in big trouble, yeah. right? So, <laughs> <laughs> so the honourable hurlers, if there's a row, they'll drop their hurl. So, and some might even take off their helmet and yeah. go, go at it properly. The dishonourable ones will hold the on. The dishonourable ones. Yeah. Now, I have to say, I'll be waiting for him to drop first. <laughs> <you know. laughs> so I don't know what the women do in those situations. Um, um, then the penalty is pretty it 's the same as the, as the men 's game so that 's a good one, all positive, except for the contact one either you 're going to do it or not do it, and just give give the the proper contact because i 'd be like what 's minimal contact am I, like you 're coming in you want to get the ball there 's two of the women running for the ball. are they not able to whack each other with a the shoulder yeah. there and contest that ball?" Or, you know, if you come in from somebody from the side, can you not hit them square on and knock them to the ground? Or is that too much force? And now it's a free. Uh. So what's the minimal? It's biz- it's a bizarre yeah. one. It's yeah. going to be very difficult to referee, and uh, it's yeah, going to it's cause. The referee, high for you feel sorry for. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: it, like it is better than nothing, and that's like yeah. I think some referees will let it go, but that will cause problems in itself because some referees will referee it differently. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right, last before we finish up here,
3: lads, because we want to talk to Joe Murphy uh, next. He's dropping into us here. Michael Fenley. I didn't realize he had that much on his plate. Wait and hear this. He's a lecturer in nutrition in lit. He's currently studying a PhD in leadership and coaching. He's Ballyhill captain he's awfully managing and he's an hour and 20 minute commute and that's probably passing through Port Portlaoise coming from that side um, he's, he, he's trying to balance the PhD LIT lecturing and then you throw family in, in on top of that as well and you're like holy shit how is this fella doing it and he says it's a lot at the moment but it'll iron itself out over the coming weeks um, I don't know if I was like you talk about whingeing you know, have too much on like the PhD alone would be enough mm. for me. Yeah, yeah, you know. And we're talking about play- we're th- talking about players not being able to focus between an intercounty game and a club game. Yeah, he's, he's
1: yeah. able to shift his focus pretty well. And don't they say when you want something, done, ask a busy person? So obviously Michael Fenley is one of those. Yeah, yeah that's absolutely. true.
3: Then he was talking. Wanted to talk to Michael Fenley actually because it's great. It's great to have him in, in management, and he's talking sense. You see, you're from Ballyhill Shamrocks and a great club like that and you've played under Brian Cody all your life you're going to talk common sense or else you're a bit of a you haven't been listening (laughs) right he was asked about the Christmas period with Offaly and he was like December for me is a time you do a bit of individual work and you get yourself up to the standards you need to get Christmas time is a time for rest as well and when you can spend time with the family I hear about teams training Christmas Day training Stephen's Day I just wonder to myself what's the point in that is there merit in that for me definitely the lads will be off over that period period. you need them fresh coming in the league is starting early it's starting twenty. 6th of January. So there's the point I thought was brilliant, and that's why some managers that have lost the run of themselves should turn around and say, What's the point in that? Is there merit in that? So when you're playing championship next summer, will it make one bit of difference that you train on feckin' Christmas morning and ruin the morning for your players? Or when that comes down to the white heat of championship, would players like you more and want to try for you more if you saw it from their side a little bit? Like mm. Sometimes they, just, they lose track of this. And it's even Derek McGrath did it, which, who would, wouldn't be the type of manager you would have thought would have. I just think, Jesus Christ, what's the merit in that? What are you gaining from that? Yeah. And I don't know, I, I can't really think unless they say, well, it'll, it'll you know, determine who's committed and who's not. Yeah. what about the lads I'd rather see who's committed and who's not by the times for 400 metre runs mm-hmm. not the fella who's happy to go Christmas morning because yeah. like I mean the fella that goes Christmas morning might be at the very back of the, of the,
0: of the, the timed runs so who's more committed
3: I hate the way to get it twisted yeah, like
0: that. It's like the boy who comes to all the training sessions, but he hasn't proved or gotten yeah. fitter than anybody who hasn't yeah. been there. And he like, mightn't you know. drink much, so he usually never drinks. Yeah, so like some committed, and he's just scratching his arse while he's you know going through the motions yeah, and, and training your heels. Like, and it is funny. Like, like you can take a few days off. Like you'll you'll get enough work done. I remember um, before our league season started in Derry, one time we were training at eight in the morning on a Sunday, but the clocks had gone back, so it was really seven in the morning. Boys were pissed off, but then they are trying to motivate themselves by going like, oh, you know, like that, that other team's sleeping now when we're out training. And I was thinking, yeah, but they're going to get up in five hours time and go training. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. And they'll be fresher and happier <laughs> yeah. for yeah. it. Yeah. Like we're,
3: and you ever, that the, at that hour of the morning, you have no energy your no. body's oh, dead no, yeah, no. early morning training sessions I think now there's teams I've done them that are at a higher level I mean like Pat Gilroy did it with Dublin but I think he did this as a psychological test with Dublin it was are you, do you, are you a fancy Dan do you want to win an All earn that was psychology with mm-hmm. him it's not it wasn't for the physical benefits of it when you train in the morning You don't have enough food in your body. You're just out of bed. You're weak.
1: I actually think you are. I just
3: don't get... You never feel that you're ready for it. And maybe it's your attitude that you're... Oh, God. And psychologically, you're not up for it. A whole load of different reasons that you're not getting the optimal... Benefits of that training session, yeah. do you know?
1: The only good thing about it that you're over early, and then you have the whole day in front of you. You've, 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 your, yeah. your body you worked <laughs> yeah. on, you're like, oh, yeah, yeah. you know, you can enjoy the day afterwards. But going back to the Christmas, I said to you beforehand, I think people train on Christmas Day to say they trained on Christmas oh, Day. There's a lot of that, do you know, like six months down the line, you know, when they're giving an interview, they're saying, oh, these boys are committed, as you said, they do yeah. it there on Christmas morning. Yeah, but that just yeah,
3: it's for the optics and it's yeah. for the
0: manager's ego and it's for all those things. But I don't think where's the merit in it? Like, what are we getting out of this? So, is there something? Yeah, when it comes to championship and you're half time and you're a bit of a bother, is there something where you can get out of it by saying we didn't train on Christmas Day for fuck all you know. That could be, yeah. You could the psychological yeah, thing of that, yeah. but
3: if you need that
0: yeah, but you no, know, like, if you need that, I do believe something. that like the harder you work, the harder it is to give up. Like you know, and like, sometimes yeah, they have it. as just a statement like that. Training on Christmas Day. I'm not advocating for it. Yeah, but the, like, sometimes it does. Well, for me, anyway, it would work. because You think, geez, I, I have put in all this work. I think that's the only benefit potentially for it. You know, mm-hmm. I think
3: the Pat Gilroy benefit for it, where you might want to weed out some players. Yeah. You know, or want to see who's up for this. Um, Mick O'Dwyer's like fucking whatever thirty laps he do with us the odd night. Well, that was his training, but it had that uh, effect of going. Who wants to do this without complaining? And we did it without complaining, maybe until year four. We're like, <laughs> the only chance of doing something yeah. different, a uh, bit of strength and conditioning or something. Yeah. But you get my point. I can see yeah. all like Gerlock Nan running them up mountains, making them get sick. That weeds out the men for the boys, and who wants to do it? And I, I do think there's a value in. Jim McGuinness running him up the sand dunes. There is a benefit to savagely hard training. But is there a benefit to training on Christmas morning? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you don't need that. You know, I would like to say that in the championship, we didn't run up those sand dunes for nothing. Yeah, or we didn't yeah, run yeah, up yeah, that hill for nothing. Yeah. That's as good as your Christmas morning yeah. better.
1: When you did nothing in Christmas you did morning. No, you know, you yeah. might
3: have had a, a, a half hour's training yeah. session and yeah. it's just messed up the lad's
1: day or whatever. Do yeah. you get me? You take, could it, talk, it, you could take it we're not doing a podcast on Christmas days. <laughs>
3: <laughs> you could actually talk about this all, all day, couldn't you? Let's <laughs> get a couple of managers <laughs> in that have done that and have an argument with them. Right, we'll talk to Joe Murphy next
0: is the little dink fist pass from a crowded area into that D we're at home about where Bernard. I thought the burn about Bernard's very patient. But this little dink ball, you know the one in a crowded area where it's a fist pass, the weight is taken over, it hits the ground and it bounces into a fella's chest, and there's consternation then in around the D, in around that area. Watch for this in the semis in the final. Do you know the one I'm talking about? That little fisted ball that's just in a in a crowded area but it gets to the, the yeah, body. You, you have said it three times. It's in around But you're looking at me. You're <laughs> well, looking out well, of a crowded area, is it? Exactly. You're looking at me with <laughs> such a confused air, a confused head in you. It's like I it was talking about you trying to get a point in coppers or something there. In a crowded area. Yeah. Watch for this.
3: Joe Murphy, welcome to the show Thanks Colin So you're preparing for a Leinster club final against Dublin opposition So this is nothing to you at all, right?
4: Well, uh, you're going back a lot number new. of years, yeah, but we, we've been there before, yeah.
3: Yeah, so now I want to talk about that first because we'll talk about the game and we'll obviously talk about A-Rogue's improvement um, leading into it, but I want to talk about the 90s because we've been touching on it here on the show and I've been telling the lads that we'd be at home in our house in Leash listening to the radio, cheering A-Rogue on, it was the Bobby Miller connection and all those things. You had the whole country behind you then, like you won five Leinsters in seven years, like it was an incredible achievement. Yeah, it was a bit of a fairy tale,
4: I guess, for a Carlow team to be uh, sort of in in the higher higher ech- echelons of of, of uh, club football at the time, um, and we got really goodwill from, like you say, Leash and surrounding counties, and actually into Dublin and everything. There was uh, uh, Christopher Christie Welch was um, he was CK he, he would be the Marn in Ireland of uh, uh, Carlow local rate at the time, and that used to. Uh, you know, branch out a bit, and he right. was loved in Dublin. They used to call him the Elder Lemon. He would have been a bit of a gay burn character, <laughs> and that, and uh, he w- just promoted it uh, big time, and and uh, that's where it got a lot of its traction as well. But uh, yeah, it was a fairy tale. It was a Carla team. It was unusual.
3: Yeah. So you would, but I was looking at this, and in the eighties, Aero won six titles out of the ten on offer, so you were dominating Carlow football then. Then, the la- then you won it in 89, didn't win it in 90 or 91. Then in 92, this Same. unbelievable generation started. What changed in 92? Uh, well, you, you, you
4: hit on it there was the introduction of Bobby Miller. Um, they the knew in our that there was talent there. There was good talent. And they felt that they had to um, maybe look outside the club, which is something that they never did before. And uh, Bobby Miller took a lot of persuasion. Um, he was after do, training a tie to win a, a Kildare championship maybe a year, year or two before, it. and uh, he wasn't really interested. He was doing Leinster. Uh, I think he went with the All Stars uh, at the time as well to New York, and he was involved in that. And he wasn't really that interested, and he took a lot of persuading. And uh, he came in and look at him. I it was just a quick fix. That changed. Everything, so everything fell into place. Like yeah.
3: And was this was there a new bunch of players coming in in '92? No. It was the same players. Yeah, they were much. a year
4: or two older. You know, I guess the average age maybe in 92 would have been maybe about 23, 24 years of age. So, sort of 1991, you were talking about early 20s, and lads didn't really know what it took to to achieve I suppose um, very casual about our approach and everything like that but like I said when Bobby came in and we gathered momentum along the way and uh, I mean just the floodgates opened then at that stage
3: yeah so it was 92 you won the, the Leinster and then you got to the All-Ireland final against O'Donovan Rossa, and that's probably the one you'll remember most as the one that got away would that be fair in all the years years you, you, you were winning <laughs> we never won an All-Ireland so they all got away um,
4: yeah. that, that was probably uh, this, this went, went to causes. a replay we went through a replay and we were two points down uh, on the stroke of full time and we scored a goal. And um, the, the Donovan Ross uh, crowd were in on the sideline ready to invade the field. This was just down Limerick. You know, there was the bones of 35,000, 40,000 at it. It's unreal
3: crowds yeah, back then, wasn't
4: they, there? They, they had to, actually, that day they had to open the gates to let the crowds in so it would meet meet the TV time and and that because they were going to have to delay it otherwise so you know thousands got in for nothing but uh, yeah it was on the stroke full time ball came in ended up in the back of the net uh, joy for a second and then
3: uh, you're saying blow the bloody thing up
4: no well the referee uh, disallowed the goal
3: oh he disallowed the goal he
4: disallowed the goal from the 45 metre line right you know, well, that
3: was in the replay. Yeah, right. And,
4: and he he made the decision, not the umpires, and there was a little bit of a uproar at the time, and uh, no one knew what was happening. But uh, no, it disallowed, and on the kick out, we blew the final whistle. That was to win an All Ireland by a point, which the last uh, kick of the game. Yeah, and even tr- running back to the original game on S- St Patrick's Day, uh, Mick McCarthy, Lord of Mercy, know, who who's since passed away, uh, Cork footballer O'Donovan Russell, kicked a pint into injury time to bring it to a replay so
3: yeah, or name just was after, wasn't on that cup that so was wasn't. after Garvin Weir been bundled out over the sideline yeah. as well Garvin
4: actually ended up in uh, in hospital like he was concussed your man just he was just a full frontal challenge Yeah, and he was knocked out and the ball was Picked off his, his broken body's chest and they got a, the, the equalizer off it, yeah.
3: yeah. I was looking at this yesterday and I nearly fell off my chair reading this. Willie Quinlan didn't play that year because he had transferred to Greg Cullen. Yeah. How the hell did you allow this to happen or how did yeah. this happen?
4: Well, well, Willie has sorry, he, He's married into a Greg Cullen family, uh, the Laces. And um, yeah, look, I mean, you, you can see it, it appeared that Erog was going nowhere. You right. know, we were beaten by ratfilly in ninety, 90 and ninety one so it wasn 't sort of great things on the horizon aren't like that okay. but I, I know Willie regrets it to this day missing out on that day and he would have probably been the
3: difference oh he would have been de- well yeah. I'd say he definitely would have yeah. been the difference and you continued on in Leinster and the other All-Ireland f- uh, final you got to was Lone Rangers in 96 from the 95 championship and a weird final score there like 4, 5 to 11 points so like you outscored them
1: but we were, you
4: know. hit, we were hit really early with goals and the, the best way I
3: could really
4: in the modern time to compare to would be maybe Castlebar, Mitchells and Ballyboden a few years Ago in the All Ireland, when everyone thought Castle Castlebar Mitchell's time had come, they had yeah. been knocking on the door. They were bet by a great Finnsen's team with Dermot Connolly unplayable yeah. this, uh, the year before, I think it was. And ballyboden had struggled. I think Clonmel Commercial could have bet them in All Ireland. Should have. Yeah. All should have beaten them too. Port Leash, yeah. I think Neil Callan missed a, a, Paul, a. Yeah. Or sorry, Paul Callan missed a, a free uh, towards the end of that game, and. Um, yeah, and we were sort of like that we're nearly going up and getting what we deserved we felt that it was our All-Ireland and everything and we, we just came out casual I think we allowed radio on the bus and everything going up we were just so unprofessional going up to that game and uh, we got hit with three early goals and we just couldn't you know pull it back over the course right. of the remainder and of the game And how would
3: you go be going up for two and all and final in that kind of was it? were you trying to kind of have a relaxed mood on the bus Do you know in hindsight is at the time was there a reason behind you know going up like that? I,
4: I, you know, I probably was wrong from uh, start to finish. Uh, the whole uh, build-up to it, there was a delay on gear coming, and all this crack, and there was an, a row over jerseys—Conley jerseys, or O'Neill's jerseys—and um, yeah, we just took our eye off the ball. Um, we, we felt maybe that all we had to do was show up. We were strongly fancied, um, given the, the previous years and who we had beaten, and that, and uh, yeah. we just didn't show up for twenty minutes, and it cost us and all ireland so that was probably more regretful than o'donovan rasa because i think we really played well and yeah. we expressed ourselves um in the previous all ireland but uh no in 96 we we just we, we just came up flat and then when we got on top we just didn't run out of time you know and couldn't get the goals which we were sort of renowned for getting right okay but the long Rangers were there you know the, the they were a good side they had a good team yeah they had what a good team t- t- I mean when you think about where Carlo Ladson they, they had a platter of uh, Kerry footballers you know inter-county players right yeah. through the spine of their team and that and we but that's still, the level you
3: were at at the time though like I mean you're yeah. going in as favourites against them like yeah. I mean when you look at it when you look back on it it was incredible yeah. times mad you know?
1: yeah. <laughs>
3: mad so then we get into 1997 and you or you win the 96 championship in carlo and then you get hammered by knockmore and everybody's writing aerog off then you go into the carlo championship of 97 and you you lose in carlo which is it was all lion beachy so this is the end of aero pretty yeah. much because knockmore gave you a good beating in in
4: They did yeah that, that was all the one calendar year as
3: the all semi final. it's hard so to follow all the dates here yeah yeah the,
4: yeah but um yeah um that was I, I look at I mean there was uh, 12 or 13 of us playing for Carlo at the time. Like, I mean, it was week on, week off, or I mean, it was constant. Yeah. You know, you're going from club to county to a burn Cup to league, back to club, into the championship. Um, There's an All Ireland B championship in that era as well that Carlo won with. I think 13 Arrow, 13 Arrow that's finished the game right. against Westmead. I think 11 started it. So, I think we're just wrecked at that stage. Okay. We were we're all, you know, the backbone of the team was sort of hitting the 30s now at that stage as well. So, yeah, it looked like it was over. And enter another leashman
3: then. Another leashman, Pat Critchley came in and managed you. And another leashman, Leo Thurley transferred to you. I had completely forgotten about that. Like, I mean, there's more kind of stuff in this whole They You could do a full show on this. Um, How did Leo end up moving to you? Uh, Leo, uh, through his work, uh, was
4: transferred to Carlo. And it was a little bit of a. uh, an issue there he he, he lived in Great Cullen and um there's a part of Great Cullen that Carlo claimed and there's another part that Leech claim. And to call it the Triangle, <sighs> and we, we had to prove with and Service maps and everything like that that Go Leo in. was actually living in the Carlow well, Triangle I, <laughs> of of Grae Cullen So like, there was know.
3: objections to this transfer, oh, yeah, man, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Who, Grae initially, <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't
4: know whether it was Leo Grey Cullen I'm, I'm very fond of the Great Cullen lads, so I'm not going to yeah, and am not going to blacken their name. But uh, no, it was a little bit of an issue. But Leo wanted to play. We, we knew Leo. I knew Leo from playing inter-county. He was in school in Ockbeg. We played against him and Mick his brother um, all the way through her school days and that so Lee was was keen to play with our Rogue and uh, yeah it happened and uh, he was a great addition at the time
3: Yeah definitely Pat Critchley is on record is saying he said in the beginning a lot of them thought the All-Ireland was over for them having gone out early last year and it took a while for me to persuade them that it was still there and he made you his captain so I presume you all also had to persuade the fellas that it's not gone
4: yeah well there's another little side issue there as well um, uh, there was um, uh, an issue with the Carlo County team that uh, there was a row between the county board and the supporters club and uh, the players sort of went on strike we were there was there was a, a reallocation of the league at the time and we had to play Mayo up, up in Castle Bar and uh, I don't know whether it was a quiz or that and that wouldn't have been a great game to go up to but w- the players didn't travel right. uh, because uh, Bobby Miller was county manager at the time and he withdrew and um, I sort of withdrew as well and a few players withdrew so I sort of went back to the club and um, yeah I got myself and Pack on fierce well so I ended up captain that year and uh yeah, we drove it from within, and and Pat was just a breath of fresh air. You know him. Yeah, I mean he's so casual, so easy going, and that and that's really what we needed at the time. We didn't need anyone coming in and. Shouting, shouting and, and roaring, roaring yeah. you know we had the experience in that we just had to get our, our bodies right and get over that knock more So y- yeah,
3: that that was a bit nearly like Brian Clough taking over Leeds he started shouting and roaring yeah. and put your medals away you didn't yeah. need that at that time no. Pat Critchley was perfect yeah absolutely perfect he, he yeah. wasn't going. and then in 98 unbelievably you came back and you won a trilogy against Kilmocko Crokes in the Leinster final yeah. three games 10,000 in Newbridge at these uh, yeah. at these replays yeah. just incredible stuff you said after we beat them you said you uh, said in your captain's speech you got your all Ireland and we desperately desperately want ours that was yeah. kind of your attitude
4: yeah but uh, cross Glen were the next one up yeah. and that wasn't straightforward yeah. you know? but uh, yeah look at I mean <sighs> we, we just probably didn't have enough uh, and we you know we, we, we got that Leinster we, we brought in a few young lads one of um, uh, the guys on our management team now Brian Carberry is a very talented footballer he was 18 playing young Bernard Hennessy, Adrian Cochran we brought these in. This was in 98. This had A bit yeah. of
3: criticism for bringing in too many players. Yeah, he it? brought
4: in four or five uh, sort of, um, you know, just a little bit more enthusiasm, a bit of freshness in yeah. that. Uh, and a few of the established lads became impact uh, substitutes at the time, and that, and it, it worked well through Leinster. But we probably just weren't strong enough to go the the the, the, the full way, like you know, yeah. and, and Cross Midland were, they were coming yeah. at the time. They were yeah. coming, I think yeah. that was
3: their second of three in a row to beat yeah. in the semi final. Yeah. yeah,
4: yeah, and and even actually that day, you you'd probably know Muckle M- Keaton uh, woke up that morning with. And he was our most potent forward, f- uh, yeah. forward yeah. And he woke up with uh, chest infection, fever that morning. We had to take him off after I think twenty minutes, and that he wasn't, you know, there was not left in him. And and uh, and we were, I think, we were bet by four points, and we only could bring on Column Hayden that that day as well, who right. was uh, another prolific Leo got
3: a goal that day, didn't yeah, he?
4: Yeah, yeah. So um, we probably needed everyone, and everyone on 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 the best form, and we couldn't afford to lose a couple of established players like that, and. Midland were just a little bit more; uh, they were stronger than. stuff yeah. yeah.
3: There's no doubt it was an incredible time to have. Pretty much, the Carlow team was the Aero team. You were dominating Leinster, and then you have the whole thing of just not being able to. Nearly the Mayo kind of thing, where the whole country's rooting you on to get over the line, and you're not. Yeah. Like, it has that kind of tragedy thrown into it. In is, there yeah, well. yeah. So, like I mean, it's incredible. It'll never, I don't know, will to be seen again. Really, like you'll, you're hoping there will be. Obviously, you're in a Leinster. Well, finalists. yeah.
4: Look at I mean, I mean, um, things history has a, a way of repeating itself. Um, to what end you don't know but uh, yeah look at it. It, it it was great to be a part of that um, it's actually as good to be a part of what's happening in their at the moment yeah. uh, do
3: you lean on it much with the fellas like I mean do you, I'm sure before you played Portlaoise like I mean Portlaoise have tradition and I always say with playing with Leash, the tradition means a lot because it yeah. gives you confidence like yeah. I mean you have to lean on that stuff because players know we're their match you know uh, yeah. we have been and you know there's no reason why we're not now yeah internally we, we, that, that's important
4: to us in our That that you know it's a fine line you don't want to be shoving the past down any new players yeah. throats right and you don't want them sort of getting bitter about oh we're always hearing about that you want them to be a part of it and, and to work off like you said that tradition and feed off it and that and we've been here before as a club and uh, that's the message we're trying to get uh, across to our players at the moment that you know it's not not to be afraid of you know you thrive on it and embrace it and embrace the past you know and the tradition that's in your your gene pool now yeah. you know and that's that's what we're trying to whether that's going to be enough is another day's work but yeah. i mean it it and it gives a nice balance Uh, To the past and the present, yeah, that's important to me that that gets across. It's
3: true, and there's a great link then as well. Jordan Morrissey is Jody's young fella, right? Then you have Derek Hayden's father was Joe. Um, You have Niall Quinlan, who you brought on was it against Port- yeah, yeah against yeah, Port have half time yeah. for the freeze which was yeah. a great move on your, on, on your part you have Darrell O'Brien Turlock was around yeah. with, with your squads as well I think it's Jodie Morrissey I marked him in the challenge game I don't know if you remember that was in the old G, pitch in the old pitch, yeah. pitch yeah. And you, you started had, playing to the crowd that day I think I was marking you I think so yeah but I was on Jody for a while that day and right. I remember thinking what that lad is a flyer he won't yeah. stop and I just remember thinking in my head, I'm a good bit off that now. You know what I mean? He was a seasoned, yeah. you know, inter or club player and an inter-county yeah. player. And he just, it felt like a man versus a, a boy. He just he just yeah. was. didn't stop running. And, and really there was not of a not
4: minute. Like he wasn't a big bulky guy no, around No, like no, no, no. But he was just pure natural. Um, and I mean, again, keeping the connection that we're here. You I mean, like his grandfather was uh, Tommy the Boy Wonder. Murphy like I mean he was, yeah, he, was yeah. he was on the Millennium team of the the, the team, team century. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. And um you know Jody, Jody was just something else like I mean, he was different gravy, he was just he was talented. I remember uh, when we played O'Donovan Ross in ninety two and he was marking Tony Davis who was in his pump with Cork, they were winning all Irelands at the time and getting all Ireland finals. And he just said afterwards that he doesn't recall marking anything like Jody Morris yeah. before.
3: Just doesn't stop. He he made know? an impression on me that night. You know yeah. what I mean? As, yeah. as regards just not stop running. Mm-hmm. And I was playing so shy that night. I would mark <laughs> the three or four of you and say that. <laughs> <laughs> just trying to find somewhere I could get into the game. Yeah. But it was a challenge match. I think he gave yeah. us a good beating. Was that the late nineties? Was it? I think uh, probably was. It would have been around the turn of the, the turn century. of that. Yeah. Yeah, 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 In and around that. Yeah. So like, I mean, you took over. Your son is on the panel as well. That's another yeah, connection. Yeah. Brendan Hayden's son Dean is.
4: on the panel as well. Okay, so there's
3: loads of a connection there. It's fantastic when you see that because I was told recently by Aaron Kernan with Cross McGlenn, Ushy McConville and the McIntyre Sons now are under 16. So they're on the 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 way up. It's lovely. And
4: and, and even looking at it when you're involved in the club and you, like, I mean, I'd follow it. I'd look at it. I love it. And uh, you see these names. Uh, that from your own time, or you know, just previously, or something, yeah. and, and you know, there's a connection there, yeah, and yeah. it's unique to clubs, like I it mean, is, you know, it is. and it's the community that we're we're brought up in, and we spend so much time in, and uh, have. That sort of, like I said, that gene pool continuing, it, it's incredible and, uh, and it's an incredible connection, like you said, between yeah. the 90s and no, the... No, it,
3: de- it definitely is. So you came in in 2017 and your brief was to win a county title because you hadn't won one since 2012, right? So you, that's a huge drought for rogue like it would be in, you know, in Portlaoise, um big traditional clubs like that. And you won your first one after replay and you've won three in a row since, right? So I suppose what did you identify with them or what did they need
4: I, I I look at I mean I go completely wrong and I don't want to be insulting uh, especially any of my squad here and I wouldn't uh, but I just felt that there wasn't a connect with the club that um, you know in this day and age there's so much going on and it's very easy to get a jersey anywhere be it a soccer basketball football you know uh, whatever and um, I just felt that we needed a more of a connect between the club and the players. Um, and uh, that was something that we, we tried to really install that, you know, where we come from and the history of the club and the connect that we were after going through and everything like that. Yeah. And, and really get them, you know, um, that they privileged more, and yeah, honoured yeah. to wear the jersey, you know. And it's probably old fashioned. It's all school in a way, you know, the pride of the parish and all that. But um, they, they lapped it up, you know, and... Um, we had gone uh, through maybe a little period of outside managers who maybe their brief is just win, win, win. But to me, it wasn't that really, genuinely wasn't yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. It was just to establish a good foundation uh, because they are good players and we knew they're good players, and they need that attachment and uh, they needed that sort of more of a professional attitude and to take their football, you know, uh, one of the priorities of their life in that. And um, you know, it was a bit of a slower burn than Bobby Miller. Uh, uh, had but um you know as players led, led now we, we just sort of facilitate them, and i mean, 'm not trying to t- <laughs> talk like Jim Gavin <laughs> or anything like that, Unless but you let them
3: true. take the ownership oh, of it yeah, and yeah. Yeah, yeah that's important really, and like I mean, having that you know identifying them with their club and having them care about their club that's really important too, because you can just go up and lose sight of that, and like well i don 't play for Portliche anymore, but poorleash have left their old grounds now they 're in rat league yeah. i don 't see much of an identity, you know it's yeah. fair, it would be very easy unless you're reminded of it. Just go up there, train, without kind of knowing this. I'd yeah. see the old Portlaoise club as portleesh whereas yeah. this one's a bit like where you go up the train. Yeah, you, well, know? Yeah,
4: you, you know, you have to re-establish your roots now. Yeah, yeah. You know, and... and it, that doesn't start with the generation that are playing senior football at the moment. You know, you have to. That has to drip down right through all the underage. That this is where we are now, yeah. and this is your jersey, and this is your town, and this is what you represent. And it's, look, I mean, when, when we got it right at senior level, I mean, the place is a on fire at the moment. Right through uh, all the underage groups and everything. Um, all the senior players are uh, having an, an ambassadors uh, are ambassadors to uh, to all the the juvenile teams. Everyone is. Uh, is involved everyone has like I said that ambassador role right and so taking
3: over the odd session when they can yeah, and it's, stuff. Th-
4: it's the connect between a 7 year old and a 27 year old Yeah, and you know it's unique to clubs and if you get it right and I think we're on the right road to getting it right in Airog. this no matter what happens Sunday yeah. um, it's been did such start, a positive year Did you
3: start that in year one in 17 getting that ambassador role well, going Look at I mean it's,
4: it's not me there, there, there's a number of great people in, in Airog that have that uh, yeah. foresight Danny
3: Duke did tell me he's a mutual friend of ours you obviously train yeah. Greg Hull and he says they have great people involved yeah. in the right positions yeah. in, in Airog so it's yeah. a well run club
4: Yeah and, and uh, that's important and um, look at um, no no different than Portlaoise. Uh We had our financial worries through the, the the bust and everything like that, with acquirement of land and and we built a new gym and everything. So we were under pressure that way. So sometimes that can take over the playing aspect of things, you know. And uh, through great work by our executive and and trustees and everything, they're on top of that, and um, everything is sort of. Uh, you know, working hand in hand in aerogue, and it wasn 't really that way before, and maybe we struggled a little bit on and off the field because of that, but now the players are are just so supportive of the social aspect of aerogue and and the club itself. It's so supportive of the football fraternity that uh, you know, it's like I said, it's a great place to be at yeah. the moment.
3: No, it sounds it sounds fantastic. Like I have to I have to admit, you didn't win me over until Port Leash. I was still like, ah well, I was making excuses. Well they were hammered last year yeah. and then against Castletown, you know, they started well and then they let them back into it in Wexford aren't great. And then I was saying, Well, Ben McCormick wasn't around for Sarsfields and it took the Port Leash performance for me to go, Yeah, no, well they're actually they're they're, they're pretty good there. Yeah. How did the Mullina Hopta game happen last year? Like, like it's a massive improvement in this year or was that just a freak game um i a couple of, we were better this
4: year uh, we've grown into it more uh, a couple of lads are uh, a couple of year or year older um, the players like i said have taken ownership they their um away from training, collective training session work has been phenomenal. Um, The pride ourselves on that. They're so dedicated. That's important.
3: Now, just to cut you off, because Sean Gannon was talking about this this week. I think he was at a media day last week. He said it's six days a week we're training now, three days collectively, and then you're going to the gym three times, which has been unheard of. It wasn't going on. So we've bulked up and lads are bigger. And I do think that's where a lot of club teams around the country are behind Dublin clubs. Dublin clubs are doing that and they've been doing it since I joined Parnells or potentially before that. And I never saw Port Leash lads having done that. You know, like I do think that maybe teams outside of Dublin, when it comes to strength and conditioning, aren't on Dublin teams level.
4: Yeah, look, one of our mantras, and it's not just this year or the previous years, and it's hard sometimes to get it to stick, was that you've got to be doing something. To play at the top level, you've got to be doing something yeah, every, yeah. every day. You know whether it's a recovery session, uh, whether whether it's your gym sessions, is whether if if you need a bit of cardio yourself away from the group and that, and um, you, you know that's been embraced and you, you can see the difference. Um, with Mullenock, the last year we were pushed around, Um they were a good big physical team, uh, slow pitch, tight pitch, and Longford suited them. And um, again, look at I mean what happened. I mean we lost our discipline, um, we lost our. Uh, yeah, or control around the field and that and they punished us and, p- and paid the price but Mullen Lockton weren't a bad team
3: yeah you know no, no they you know? obviously won it in the end yeah, like yeah. I mean they're a very good team so Bally up next see. I don't really want to talk too much about Bally because you're not going to say too much about it like I mean what, ca- what can you say but like they've been very impressive and we talked on our, the their last 15 minutes in every game they've been destroying teams so like I mean it's back to their conditioning and they're they're a powerful team they press you high up the field they want to get the ball back and you do that too but like I mean that's one thing is their physicality and their way to grind teams down and it's their last six games they have won the last 50 minutes by something outrageous like 7.30 to 8 points do you know they're blowing teams away late on
4: yeah I look at I mean they're a top team Uh, even their record this year I think they're unbeaten uh, right through the league and the championship, in, uh, uh, obviously in Dublin. Um, so look, I mean, it, it's going to be a huge challenge. Um, we also know that uh, if we bring our a game, if we we bring our best game, that uh, we're not bad either. Um, but but you don't know. We don't. You don't know how. To, the matchups will measure up you don't You don't all have a freaky day um, you don't know um, it could be even a refereeing decision even though there's a, a top referee uh, doing the game so I mean you, you, these are out of your hands you can only control the controllables and um, you know that's something that's out of our hands but we, we'll be going over uh, we're prepared uh, we're ready we're keen Uh, like I said the place is buzzing we have a lot of goodwill going over there from within the county uh, all clubs uh, so we'll carry that with us but uh, like I said it's going to take our best yeah, Um a, three, guess.
3: three of your five Leinster titles were against Dublin opposition uh, and a selection of them. Uh, Kilmer Cood, Ayrn and the uh, St. Sylvester. St. Sylvester, yeah. You beat them, I think it was five points.
4: Borden as well in the semi-final and another one.
3: Right, OK. And then I think Hanrahan's beat Nafina then another yeah. year. Like, I mean, it's not like, you know, it's not impossible Dublin clubs have improved a lot from then with everyone moving to the capital there's way more transfers even no transfers actually it's like Leash years mm. ago you'd always have a prison officer yeah, or something yeah, you yeah. don't have any no, at all now no. um, it is more difficult but I don't think Ballyboden have too many of them now look it'll be a, it, it'll be a great game um, well, in Leash so. as well
4: yeah uh, hopefully so look at I mean uh, they're, they're two they're obviously two good sides they uh, as it stands and uh, I think we've earned the right to say that we're one of the top two sides in you know we didn't get any safe draw we, no, you know, it was a we tough didn't get any draw, yeah. buy, buy through any rounds or anything like that so we're there on Mert and um, you know obviously Ballyboden as Dublin champions w- 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 would be there as well so um, yeah look I mean once I, I just hope it's a good game genuinely I hope both teams play their best and let you know and, and, and not being cliched now or anything like that but uh, then the best team will win you know uh, you know, I, I really hope that we show up and uh, all the signs are that we will and um, if Ballybone are good enough then, then they're good enough
3: yeah exactly Joe thanks very much for calling in and best call. of luck on Sunday appreciate that thank you no bother.
0: I work as a policeman at Garda honor down, down the Store Street and I'm coming back out and there's a cohort of loyal throne fans still up in the stand as you come back out, and they're roaring to me, "Hey, Caffrey, you're free
2: state bastard!" <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and next thing I hear, you have no fucking jurisdiction up here. <laughs>
3: Okay, so Paddy Power predictions. Um, we spoke to Joe Murphy there. Rogue are 4-1 to one outsiders and Ballyboden are 1-5. to five. So like I was saying to Joe there, there's some scary stats on Ballyboden in the last 15 minutes of their games. Um, I actually have the stat um, here now. They got 1-5. Fi- in the last 15 minutes, 1-5 to 1 point against Scary's Harps. Sorry about this, Conant. Um, where were you? 2-1 <laughs> <laughs> uh, to no score. Against Nafina Jeez, in the last, last fifteen minutes of extra time, that makes yours look <laughs> a bit better. Uh, one three to a point against Saint Jude's in the last fifteen minutes. Five pints to three against Thomas Davis in the last fifteen minutes. One six to no score against Newtown Blues, and that might look oh, that was a hammering. That they were in trouble in that at halftime. That a man sent off, and it was it was very close. Um, two one to three pints against Gary Castle. In total, seven twenty one to 8 points I won't take credit of this um, it was um, Dublin Match Tracker Twitter account sent me that and I thought it was very interesting and it goes along with what we'd been saying with Ballyboden Bowden about how well conditioned they are and you know how physically impressive they are and that's obviously a product of them destroying like yeah. a, destroying teams in the last 15 minutes so like how Aero can can you know
0: protect themselves against that I suppose yeah. It's the big question. It's incredible. It's like um it reminds me of the Australian International Rules team. You know, you always knew they were going to come good in the third quarter, like <laughs> right? back in the day they were just far better conditioned than the Ireland team. Um the only thing I'll say is that Aero obviously looking at them against Port Lease, they're like, you know, well set up, they're they're big themselves they're conditioned themselves yeah. maybe
3: not at a, a Bally Bowdoin's level yet but definitely getting there like Sean Gannon was talking last week I was mentioning to Joe about how much they're doing mm. and he, Joe's attitude is that if you're not doing you know six days a week at club level you're probably fooling yourself and it's got to that as well yeah. like I don't mean six like uh, training sessions that you have to be to do it on your own time but you have to be tipping
0: away on your own yeah and like I think they might conserve a bit of energy the way they play in that sort of little shell that they have in defence but the only thing I'd worry about them is running at ballyboden because that's what ballyboden don't mind and that's basically what they want you to do because they're stronger and fitter so Depends what sort of game plan they bring to it but I think looking at them against Port Leach, they might be able to last the pace a bit longer than some of these other teams
1: Yeah I think Sean Gannon was saying that they needed to bulk up after they were beaten I think it was, it was Malna Hock to beat yeah. them last year in Leinster semi-final and they thought they were bullied so since then there's been a real kind of um, appetite amongst the squad to do that little bit extra and they, and they said like three days a week I think collective training and then they end up doing three sessions a week individually on their own and stuff like that too so whether they're at Bally level uh, I, don't, I don't know yet. When the Desi Dolan, it's, they were saying that they, you know, the Ballyboden lads are proper meeting them after playing them against Gary yeah. Castle. So they're probably not at that level yet. But we'll see you now at the weekend, I suppose. Yeah,
3: we'll definitely see. So who are we going to go to? going to go for here. It's hard to look past Ballyboden lads, if we're being honest. They're like they, they look like they're a machine. They've come through a much harder championship. They're very strong favorite. Like in Dublin, I mean, um, like arguably, Air, well, Aroke have come through a more difficult Leinster championship, but you
0: know. It's hard to look past, but I can't look past Ballyboden on this one. Yeah, I think they're just getting better as well. Though, like you know, just look at the way they're sort of they came back against Newtown Blues and then just cast Gary Castle aside. Like, so maybe the the more games is helping them just sort of get up to the pace of it. I I can't see past them either. Yeah.
3: If Aero, I don't know, like you'd like to say if Aero can stay in it, like I mean that kind of tradition and mm. like you can't throw that away. That's there and that's going to give them confidence. But Leash had. Tradition and confidence against Ballyboden at that. Well, it got within, you know, a, a missed free at the end. Like, mm. I think Aero can make a game of it. I don't, I, I don't know if Ballyboden have necessarily been blowing, like, they've only won
1: one Leinster in their
3: history. They struggled mm. over Port Leash that day. Like, Aero,
1: Aero won't be hammered. No, they don't concede a lot. Do you know, like like it could it probably come down to the last ten minutes. I, I can't see Ballybutton button up a one five like they did against you guys or two one that they did in, in extra time against um against the FINA either. But I I find myself questioning the odds. Like I, I don't I don't want to um say anything about Paddy Power here, Anthem, but that they always seem to be very long. Do you know, like like four to one. I I don't see why they need to be four. You know, the, the, to me they're. You know, I, I I can't see them winning, but I can see them getting within three or four points easily. So the handicap, one.
3: I think, is five. I was yeah, looking at it. Definitely fancy year plus yes, five points. Yeah.
1: Seems a bit long, but I, I, I go with Ballyboden by a few points as well. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, we're
3: all agreeing that the other big football game of the weekend is Mattock Rangers. Um, I was very surprised to see Maddox Rangers be an intermediate team, if I'm being honest. This is the into the intermediate championship. Maddock Rangers were in a senior Leinster final in the two thousands. They won four or five loud championships. In my head, Maddox Rangers were the, one of the big hitters and they've obviously lost their way, found themselves in intermediate. They play Mullinavat, Avat, who are the surprise packages who beat the Dublin champions, um, who was it again? Ballybuckle. Ballybuckle Ballybuckle Bally yeah. Bally and beat Rosen Alice um, from Leash as well. Um, and Mullinavat wing back John Walsh joins us on the line to talk about this one um, is it Welsh or Welsh I know you're from Kilkenny so it's probably Welsh
2: uh, it's Sean Welsh Sean Welsh yeah
3: Welsh yeah okay so Leinster football final this is, it must be a bit of a surprise for you
2: um, yeah I suppose it is a bit of a surprise but uh, at the same time we kind of we thought we we thought we'd do well this year and we, had, we got a, a lot of lads back and we thought, after the county championship we thought we had, we had a, good, a good year it was a good tough year in the championship this year so we thought maybe we could get one or two weeks on, on the line, but this, this is, uh, I suppose, it is bonus territory at the moment anyway, For Leinster final.
3: Yeah, so you played your, your county final in Kilkenny on the 21st of July. Um, you drew that and then you played the, a replay, was it three weeks later?
2: Yeah, we did, yeah. We, we drew the first um, day didn't play didn't play as well as we hoped, I suppose, but then the second day we, we hit farm. Anyway, thank God.
3: Yeah, so that's three in a row you've won now in Kilkenny.
2: Yeah, three in a row, yeah. Uh, if you can do the same to hurling now, it'd be great. great job, one
3: the lane, so. Yeah, well, like I was told, uh, someone told me, yeah, well, they play the football off during the summer, um, so it doesn't get away, it doesn't get in the way of the hurling when Kenny uh, hurlers are out of the championship. It doesn't get in the way of the hurling championship. It's
2: probably, it's probably better off, too, because, like, you know, like, hurling is, the, is obviously the main focus in yeah. um Football takes the back seat or whatever, but... Like, it's probably better off running in the summer. It's, it's probably a better championship too, because the hard ground and not slogging away in a bog in a bog in the middle of November trying to get finished finish like yeah, going into the championship. Yeah, so, so it, it's, it's probably better off getting away in the summer, like
3: yeah. Uh, so how many dual fellas do you have? Like you, you're obviously one of twelve senior hurling teams. Uh, Mullinavat are in Kilkenny So how many
2: play both? Uh, everyone plays both. Our our naughty counterpart, uh, Shane Kelly, a own <laughs> man. He hasn't he hasn't been up the hurl yet now, but. He's, a, he's our only our only uh, footballer
3: now right and you haven't you haven't forced him into playing hurling I can't believe you let a, you've let a Troll man get away with this Liv, how long is he down there?
2: he's there um, he's, he's been the last two years now but uh, if he might as well be swinging a tennis racket that in a hurler <laughs> you know. um, and Camere, is he bringing the, the kind of
3: northern defensive uh, style into your into your football?
2: oh yeah he has all the cuts and everything in him yeah <laughs> he has all that all, all the tricks and every one of them now he uh, he's brought in fairness, to him. He's bringing a, a bringing a, a lot to the whole, to the whole thing you now. The, the ability to kick, kick the ball, which was right and left, is a is a big help because it brings other other lads around him and stuff. So he had the kind of natural, the natural play, I suppose, more than more than the. The learning course
3: was. yeah, no, I suppose sir that, that 's probably a great help, but how did you fill the space because you obviously, like I said, you won the replay on the eleventh of August, then you 're out in the hurling championship, and you drew with Greg Bally Callan and beat them after a replay, and you did really well to draw then with O'Loughlin Gales in the, was it the quarter final and lost the replay in that, and then you weren't yeah, at, then you,
2: fine,
3: yeah. yeah or the quarter final, and then you weren 't out until the ninth of November to play the Dublin champions, Bally uh, uh Like, I mean, how did you fill that space in in between?
2: I like, we, we were trying to just play just playing with the hurling, I suppose, uh, especially after the first thing against the Loughlin's, we thought we probably should have got a result there, more so than the draw. But, um, we took the week off or whatever, but we cut the focus down and then we uh, got a, actually got Aidan O'Brien in from from from, from the roster, um, to train us. And he's been a great help, I have to say now. He's been involved with, with Wood and Likes for senior footballers in the last couple yeah. of years, and he's a really, really, really big help. Now he would have been involved with about fifteen and twenty of us in Good County College, so he knew we knew what he was bringing to the table. So he's been a huge help. Now, just I suppose more more technically and uh, organization organizational wise, he's been a great help. Now,
3: yeah. And how do you all feel about the football, John? Like, I mean, I know hurling is the big thing, but like, would there be a love there for it? I know a lot of you went to Goods Council, which would be a big football in uh, school. Like, you know. I know it doesn't compare to the hurling but like I mean at the same time would you get a, a lot of enjoyment out of the run or like would it be how important would it be to
2: you? Oh looks obviously hurling is our first love and it always will be but in our way we love football right? so it's like I know it's easy, it's easy to love when you're winning I suppose but at the same time we, we, like, we like it's a release from hurling you know when you're slogging away hurling for 8 or 9 months of the year for 10-12 years or whatever it, it gets a, a little bit repetitive so the football is a bit of a release you know to Go back and have a bit of fun, and then obviously, you know, even when it gets serious, it gets serious. But it's a, it's a nice release now, yeah. I have to say. I like hurling, I, I totally enjoy it now, I would say.
3: Right, okay. And, like, I mean, you're kind of proving the point that some hurling snobs say that any hurler can turn around and play football.
2: <laughs> uh, <laughs> if you look at Michael Malone, it might be a bit different than one of our players now. <laughs>
3: So, like, I mean, this is, this is the thing. You play Mattock Rangers at the weekend. Like, you were massive underdogs against the Dublin champions. You were underdogs then against Rose and Alice. And I'm, I've played against them. They're a good, solid intermediate team and you beat them well. So, like, I mean, you're, you're rank outsiders against Mattock Rangers. Um, they're one to five winners. And you have to travel away as well. How did that, how did that work out?
2: Uh, look, we had, we had four, two home games. Well, well there were in Kenny games were well, the first two games. But look, we, we, we have no, uh, no doubt. Right? This, is a, this is a big... Uh, a Big ass against Matic Rangers now, they're senior champions 2010. So, I mean, nine years ago, they said a lot of sold and on since then. But um, at the same time, like, we're, we're, we're going up with the opinion we can, we can win 50 50. Like, yeah, like, two, it's a two horse race, and we're, we're hoping to get over the line if we can.
3: Yeah, exactly. And Kamir, you, you were on the Kilkenny hurling team or hurling panel there for a couple of <laughs> years. I don't think you were this year.
2: No, I gave I gave two long winters in there as well.
3: No, just early, in, early, early in the year you were there. You're a forward. You're yeah. a forward with the hurlers, right? You're a wing back with the footballers.
2: Yeah, I got I got an early release, so I didn't get time for a retirement speech. I got an early release.
3: Because <laughs> I was talking to your peer old John Power, and I says, "Is J- is John still on the Kilkenny hurling panel?" He says, "Oh God, you'll have to ask him that now." I I wouldn't answer that. So I was thinking, there's <laughs> there, I was thinking there's something controversial happened here with Brian Cody.
2: No, 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 no. Just missing her rise against and the Welsh Cup didn't help either enough for my free. You did not, did you? Ah, uh, that's that's lo- I, I did. Yeah, but look, at that. that's long, long gone now. Look at. I, I thought I wasn't good enough. I wasn't good enough from playing the time, so I'm uh,
3: playing me through the footballers now for a while. Right, okay. And how do you all, like, when you finish the hurling and you've been involved with the small ball for the whole year and your eye is in for it and everybody talks about that, when you take a week off and then you're back playing football, it must take you a while. Like, you're lucky the Leinster Championship wasn't right on top of you then, and you, maybe that, that break to get loads of football into you actually did you, uh, you know, an awful lot of good rather than sitting idle.
2: Yeah, I thought, well, as you see yourself going you uh, no, any good horror can play football <laughs> as well as well. But like, but like, no, like a lot, a lot of can't play, I know it's not the same, but a lot of will play soccer, so that, the soccer down here as well, so they have some idea of, of kicking balls and stuff. But, yeah. But like, yeah. Um, no, but, yeah, obviously, it's going the first day against Bally uh, you know, we were, we drove a lot, a lot of wides and a lot of stupid, kicked a lot of super balls away, but, you know, then I mean, we had an extra two weeks training. That was a big benefit of having an extra two weeks training for the Rosnellis game then. And it seemed all kind of clicking into play the last day and hopefully you now that uh, with the next extra two weeks training that we've had with Aiden and a few more of them that that can bring us on even further again.
3: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Come here, before I let you go, why do you think football can't take off in Kilkenny? Like, I mean, see, because uh, when I was younger, we would have always played soccer, and soccer's so big in Kilkenny, so it's not like you're allergic to a big ball and you, you only like a small ball. Like, soccer is so popular. Why is Gaelic football, why have, why have people no interest in it? Well,
2: look, I, I don't think it, it has the inability to, to take off at all. It, it, there's plenty of lads that like playing football in Kilkenny and that, the hurling is not their first love, but at the same time it's just not given the same time of day as Hurling. It's not as sexy as Hurling as suppose. Well. Yeah. Kenny like like um a couple of us would have played with Kenny footballers the last couple of years and like it's it's more of a um, people are looking at it more of a show more of a show than an honor, I suppose. Uh, right. but at the same time like the, the lads like that, that give out about football in Kenny are the same lads that never played with Kenny. And I didn't represent Kenya. or put on the jersey. Like in Kenya, if, if you get a chance to put on a Kenyan jersey, whatever grade, it is, whatever grade or whatever cold it is, like you take it. You don't want to turn your nose up at it. And I think that that needs to be kind of instilled in in younger lads as well. I know to be all and end all is made Kenya seen a the final, but that's that's only the case for 30 people a year, like out of a couple of hundred. Like yeah. there's, there's, other options, there's other options there and there's other loves there. If you want, if you want to go about it, you go about it that kind of way. The county board will give it give it a, as much backing as they can. In fairness, but like you it's, it's all it all comes down, to, you can't teach interest. I suppose if you can. If you can get that, if you can, if you can try, but if you can get that interest, it, it, there's no reason why I can't take
3: off. I can't understand it anyway. Well, that's it. And then even DJ Carey, who's played football um, back when he was playing, he was over the the underage uh, teams. Was it the under-20s? I think it was the under-20s. The and, minors. Or the minors. And did well. Yeah. And now and now he's been taken by Brian Cody. So that kind of big name that was there, that that's kind of gone now. Yeah, I suppose. But
2: it's like, still like the, the foundations were laid there by DJ, and fairness, about uh, he took over in the 14, 15, 16. All the way to minor and they, they did reasonably well in minor last year, and like that, that's me. That's, that's like every every county. That's kind of a, a starting step. You have to start somewhere. And thanks, thanks to DJ, obviously, he, and a few more of them. They uh, they took it. They took it with two hands, and they gave it their best. They gave it their best shot, and hopefully, they, if you continue on with other grades as well, now but um, they probably do need another another big name to go in there and lend a hand as well
3: yeah yeah exactly maybe Colin Parkinson someone
2: maybe
3: (laughs) you couldn't afford me um, you couldn't afford me John so (laughs) (laughs) I'm a known mercenary so like I mean you'll have to you'll have to look you'll have to look elsewhere come here listen John thanks very much for taking the call best of luck at the weekend we'll be keeping our eye out for the result
2: no worries thanks
3: Colin All right, great stuff from John um, there we'll be back on Monday that's it for today from us We'll be back on Monday and we'll review the finals. Uh, we'll talk to you then. Good luck.
0: The
4: GA
1: Hour is sponsored
3: by Paddy Power, home of the GA Hour hurling ACA.
2: And when I started running, I suppose I didn't stop and when I got the chance to go, I said I should go on, so it opened up.
4: We are only a small little fish out there, so we are and We're trying hard to make it through
0: but it's hard to get the brakes when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know. And it's just, I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Waterford today because, like, I, I'm heart, I'm heartbroken. <laughs>